0: Now you should listen to this because this concerned to you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. <laughs> Welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I'm your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. First, the business. The show is not kid-safe, not work-safe, not safe for anyone in any context. If you're here, it's at your own risk. You'll sign the waiver uh, on the way out. Creative Commons license, non-commercial, attribution, 4.0, unported. Theme music is by the late, great band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is provided by Cashfly under the Kind Auspices. What's an auspice? I don't really know. (laughs) But Backbeat Media. They provide... uh, They're they're my my pimps in this world. I do not speak for my day job. I don't even speak my day job. Not because I'm not proud of it, but because they are not responsible for this nonsense I'm spouting. It is entirely my own nonsense on my own time uh, on a Saturday morning. Thank you very much. Let us get directly to a song. Um, Like, I I basically have um, two uh mechanisms by which I find any new music now, it's either the Irish and Celtic music podcast or it's a child. <laughs> Tells me about it. This is the latter. Um, the the kid, uh, as far as I know, I'm not sure if the kid has ever heard any of the comedy. I am familiar with Bo Burnham as a comedian. I've heard him as a guest. I listen to a lot of podcasts done by comedians, and he's been a guest on uh, a number of them. But I didn't really know anything about him. I'd never heard any of his stuff. This is a song that seems entirely appropriate. This is the song Content. There you go. Short and sweet from the album Inside. That was Bo Burnham with content. And hey, by the way, I too am making you some content. (laughs) Ain't it great? Ain't life grand? (laughs) And as I'm making this content for you, let us do a little something that I call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon, and they decided to pledge an amount, and that amount is greater than zero, and I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but these following people are supporting the program via Patreon, and I thank them greatly, and I'm going to read them in a different order. Why? Because Patreon changes UI, and I can't sort them. So here we go. The reverse of how I normally do it. Joe Pollack, Brian Jones, Wayne Pittenger, Rob Usden, Tim Shaw. Brian Springer, Kevin Freedy, Ndaiko, Neil Forker, Michael Street, Andrew Howe, Melissa A. Bartell, Len Edgerly, Robert Gibson, Chiaki Hinohara, Skeeter Murphy, Eric Peterson, Bruce Lerner, Michael Butler, John Richardson, Stuart Maxwell, Chuck Tomasi, Leah, The Enig Magic, Angela Lee, Charlotte Kennedy, Shannon Nelson, Steve Holden, Craig Stepp, Tony Ewing, Nutty Nukchas, Grant Bachoco, Andrew Herron, Paul Smith, Robert Harvey, Arhuli, Paul Fisher, Ken Kennedy, Adam Rittenauer and patron number 1, the late great, <laughs> he's not late he's still alive. What am I saying? Derek Coward. Dear God, I'm not trying to kill Derek Coward. I need Derek Coward in my life. <sighs> the way this reading and the patrons going is the way life is going. <laughs> 1, one is all. All right, and with that let us kill the music, oh sweet Jesus God, <laughs> it's summer it's everything is uh everything's a mess before I do anything, so I haven't recorded a show in a little while. Let me acknowledge uh without really saying much about it, um, so like every podcast I listen to uh you know has a roe versus Wade overturning bit. And let me acknowledge, much like in the early days of the pandemic, let me acknowledge that I'm not uh, uh, so disconnected from the world that I don't know this is happening, but I don't know what I can say about it. I don't know what I can do about it. Uh, I feel uh, kind of helpless. Um, I don't know. I don't know what anyone can do other than, you know, they say vote. It's working great so far. <laughs> okay, great. I will tell you a little bit of a story. Back when we lived in Atlanta 20-some years ago... Um, We had some friends that were active in Gerol, which was the Georgia Abortion Rights Action League, which was a subsidiary of the National Abortion Rights Action League. And uh, as is often the case with um, anything on the progressive side of the the, the fence – everyone's hearts were in the right place and their heads were up their asses. (laughs) And so they actually, Amy Ray of the Indigo Girls uh, was willing to do some stuff for them. And I can't remember exactly what they did, but it was a complete mismanagement of uh, Amy Ray. And they burned their karma and got basically nothing out of it. And Amy said, okay, I'll do a thing. And Amy did a thing. And they it's like, you could have held a big benefit. You could have done all kinds of stuff. And it was like, Amy was like background music for a cocktail party. or it's just stupid, whatever they did. And there was a point in time Where uh, I was on these emails and I got an email, and the the email address that sent it was abortionisgreat at yahoo.com, or it could have been Hotmail or something like that. And that was one of those things where I thought, you know, I want abortion to be safe and available to everyone who needs it. But absolutely, that is not at all. I don't believe that it's great. I think it's an awful, tragic decision for someone to have to make. And the fact that it's a tragic decision is why they need to be able to make it without any more tragedy than is already, uh, already involved. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Should I rant and rave first? Let's gently rant and gently rave. Uh, I think that was, that was originally a, uh, Buddy Holly song that didn't make the cut. Gently rant, gently rave. Um, I did not rage quit. I, Gently uh, Quit Retirement Starts Today Radio, which I've been listening to it for a while. And it was definitely a show that I, I didn't love um, and I mildly liked. But I listened to his episode that was called uh, Why I Hate the Fire Movement. And let me tell you, I did not um, unsubscribe because he hates the fire movement. Because honestly, I've unsubscribed from basically every fire movement podcast. And I don't hate the fire movement, but I don't. Uh, like choose fi just th- th- their perky uh, chipper um uh enthusiasm wore me down and it's like dudes dudes I can't handle you um so but his h- h- the entirety of his episode was basically it boiled down to something I have talked about many times which is the what are you going to do with yourself if you don't have a job why would you want to retire uh young and I think by his uh, definition, like I'm already, I'm not retiring young. I'm retiring kind of in the range, but he was talking about like retiring, you know, younger than 50, like in your forties or in your thirties. And it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, what, like what, if you what purpose does your life have? If you don't work a job for somebody else. And it's not that I was angry at the guy or anything. I just thought, boy, if that is, I don't want to listen to a retirement podcast from somebody who has that little imagination. <laughs> It's like, I mean, you might be reasonable about the nuts and bolts, but I just, I stopped caring at that point because I don't, I mean, practically nobody that I know, like in my circle, whether or not you have a day job, like the list of things, like the list of things I could do, uh, at any given moment, I have a to-do list that I mostly never get done. And I have a giant to-be-read to pile that never gets read. And, you know, like I've said, I'm hundreds of seasons of shows behind. I'm hundreds of series at this point. There's, there's no end of the ways I can occupy myself, whether or not I have a day job. And this guy has that kind of Puritan work ethic. Well, what's your value if you're not clocking in for somebody else? I'm like, god damn. That's just such a... It's not even... It doesn't even anger me. It just tires me it just exhausts me <laughs> that, that that notion that uh a valid use of your time it, it's just so capitalist <laughs> it's just so what did the kids say it's just so basic it's like i said unimaginative oh if you're uh you know if you're doing work for somebody else for money that makes sense and if you're doing anything for any other reason i don't get it like ugh, dude okay so, that's pretty much that. Uh, at this point, I was listening to so many, uh, like, uh, uh, some form of financial podcast, most of them have flaked away. I got rid of Afford Anything. I've got rid of Eye. I've got rid of m- most of them. I tried stacking Benjamins. I did not like it. So, uh, I-, I, think I've- I think I'm down to, like, sound investing and white, coast in- white coat investor. And uh, everything else, I think, has gone by the wayside. So, these podcasts in my subscription list, man, they're like the tides. They come in, they go out. I will also mention, um, as I'm working through the backlog, I was listening to an episode of Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything, and uh, I don't remember, I think I mentioned when I subscribed that he was an early podcaster, and I was listening to him in the 2004-2005 era, Um, and... Somehow or another, I just dropped off. I don't think I ever, I don't remember unsubscribing, but in the many migrations from platform to platform, you know, I was using Bash Potter, running on a cron job for a while. And, you know, I've tried very many, many podcatchers over the years. And I think maybe it just got lost or maybe he changed feeds and I didn't notice or something. But anyway, so, I, you know, a year ago, I resubscribed and I listened to his episode from a couple of years ago. It was like six years ago it was called The Secret History of Podcasting. And I will link it um, in the show notes. So if you want to also listen to it, go to evilgeniuschronicles.org. You will find a link to Benjamin Walker's uh, episode. And it is not, uh, I repeat, not that I'm angry with him or think he is in any way wrong with his facts. He is 100% right on every fact he gives. But, but my friends, (laughs) it's much like I've... Basically, was disappointed in that episode. In the same way, I'm disappointed with that earbuds documentary, um, where the a- L.A. Com- comedian types and I don't even remember which ones. They're the ones that organized L.A. Podfest, the ones who basically believe that podcasting uh, started in 2009 and was, uh, you know, there was a bunch of stuff, technical stuff happened, and then Chris Hardwick, Kevin Smith, and Mark Marin got involved, and then things kicked off. And so that is a perspective. Uh, I don't agree with the perspective, but that is a perspective. And Benjamin Walker's perspective was very, like, very berkman centric. In fact, one of his anecdotes was about, uh, you know, going, I think, to brown bag lunches or doing something that involved the, the Berkman Center. And uh, other than Dave Weiner, and Chris, Chris, Dave Weiner, who I know personally, I've had breakfast with Dave Weiner, um, as I said in my uh, podcast Hall of Fame speech, a combination of Steve Wozniak, uh, Jerry Garcia and Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> Let me repeat that here. He never got mad at me about it. So I'm trying to spread spread that joke a little farther so he can hear it and get mad at me about it. Um so Dave Weiner's is the only one I know personally. I've listened to Chris Leiden stuff. Those are people that I identify as being in the game before I was in the game. There ain't that many. Um, and uh, but uh, other than that, like there's no uh, uh, intersection between the people Benjamin Walker is talking about and the people I'm talking about. And it's a very like intellectual, Harvardy, Bostony, Northeast view of uh, the creation of podcasting. It's a very public radio. I mean, he talks a little about how Dave Weiner thought he didn't belong in podcasting because he thought he was too um, polished and too produced. And he did, Dave Weiner, and, and honestly, the the good thing about this episode is I actually understand a point Dave has been making all along that I never quite grokked, which was that Dave did uh, like those low uh, production value unedited podcasts, partly because he wanted everyone to realize they could do it. So effectively, he was trying to uh, give people the motivation of I can do better than this. Um, and in my again, in my Hall of Fame speech, uh, humble brag, um, I mentioned how I heard the Dave Weiner stuff, but it didn't it had kind of the opposite effect, which it didn't motivate me. It didn't in any way make me think, wow, I want to get involved with this. And it was Adam Curry with more production where I said, hey, kids, I'm, I'm now Mickey Rooney and or Judy Garland, and I want to put on a show. And that was that to me was uh, motivational. Um, and the like, bad audio telephone business uh, that was not motivational to me. Um, but I kind of understand Dave's point now: is that he wanted everyone to feel like they could do it, which uh, you know, okay. Um, but you know, so Benjamin Walker was coming at it kind of like you know a producer on This American Life would come at at it, and that has a very uh uh intellect. Diness, <laughs> you know, not necessarily intellectual, but intellectiness, and that's just not my experience. And what it completely lacked, and I'm not in no way do I feel snubbed, but like, uh, myself, Michael Butler, Don and Drew, you know, uh, people of that ilk, um, uh, Pete Prodel, um, uh, Gordon, uh, I'm thinking, forgetting his last name, Gordon, the guy from uh. The guy from Look and See, like the Australian guy. A lot of us who were doing early stuff had almost, almost kind of a working class approach, you know, not highfalutin, not really thinky. (laughs) We were just kind of doing it. Of this group, I am the hoity toityest of everyone I just said, right? Everyone else is a little, you know, I, I, you know, I live in a college town and I've got a master's degree and, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, uh, uh, Drew was like working as a web developer. So he's maybe the second hoidiest and second toitiest. Um, if you add Michael gohagen uh, I think he's, uh, uh, doing better than any of us, although he hasn't podcasted in, I think, 12 years at this point. But, you know, of those early people, um, it was not, we were not coming at this because, uh, you know, of high art. We were just doing a thing because it seemed fun. And that perspective is just missing. And so, um, but also, let me say for, let me put a story on here. I'm sure I've said it before. Let me put it as clearly and on the record as as I can. Is that, um, that, Benjamin Walker presents as fact as like indisputable fact that Ben Hammersley is the person who came up with the name podcasting, which there is a element of truth to that because there was an article, I think about Dave Weiner and he used the word podcast, um, uh, it like he threw out a couple things. We could call it this. We could call it this. We could call it podcast. We could call it something else. So there was, he did use that term and he used it well before um the term was used by anybody else in this context. However, that is had no overlap with why I used the term. And in like September of 2004, I used the term inside a show Um, And this is, even though Cory Doctorow tried to start an argument with me about it one time, this is indisputable fact. No one inside a podcast had used the term before then. Ben Hammersley wrote it down in a blog post or an article, but he did not use it inside a show. And I did not have any uh, interaction. I've never read the Ben Hammersley thing. I had never heard of Ben Hammersley. I use the term specifically because in my access logs, I saw an access from a user agent at podcast.com. And I was curious and I thought, huh, that's an interesting term. And that website was registered, I don't even know how to look at historical DNS, and it may not be recoverable. But when I looked at it, that website had been registered in 2003. So that website was registered long before, like a year before Ben Hammersley used it in his article. So if you're going by the first person to affix it in any sort of tangible form, um, whoever registered that domain, to this day, I've never known who that was. Somebody, like whoever owns it now, probably know who they bought it from, but I don't know who that was. I've never known. If you have any idea who that was, please reach out to me, Dave at Evil Genius Chronicles.org. I've never known. But anyway, that uh the Ben Hammersley thing, you can argue it. And if you're in a certain intellecty, uh techno-rotty, uh, you know, Gawker Media uh Berkman Center type bubble, um, you're gonna want somebody from that bubble to have done that. <laughs> the the bubble likes a bubble whatever whatever bubble you're in i like the bubble i'm in i view everything through the lens of that bubble the the, the filtered through the light of my own bubble oh show title <laughs> filtered through the light of my own bubble so i don't blame um i don't blame benjamin walker for being filtered by the light of his bubble but there are a lot of other bubbles and it was just Again, every word he said is true, but it is a small subset of the story and there's lots of other stories. And that's the thing about this is what I'm going to tell you, everything I tell you, I am in no way representing as the story or even more than a minute sliver of the story. And it really bugs me when people say, here's the story, because there's so much more story (laughs) than what you're saying. Even if you don't realize it, you're just, you're just... Scratching the surface of a, a very large thing, and all of these histories of podcasting are like the blind man and the elephant, right? It's like a tree trunk. It's like a rope, it's like a a, a hose. It just depends it just depends which part of this giant elephant you're touching, <laughs> what you think about it. And with that, mm, mm, I'm going to take a fine sip of this already reheated once Dunkin Donuts coffee. Mm. Not a sponsor of the Evil Genius Chronicles. Oh, that aged poorly. (laughs) Go! One more sip. Oh. While I'm uh, kind of talking podcast nerdery and uh, I have mentioned podcast movement a couple times, I don't think I ever said um, the story of the very worst (laughs) session I saw was at podcast movement. I was there for the Podcast Hall of Fame. Um, and there, I could have you know, like flown in and spent the minimum of time and barely got there, but I actually went to the entirety of the thing the from the night before party until you know, like the last session basically. You know, when it, it was thin on the ground, <laughs> there weren't that many people there. That's like any science fiction convention, like anything. The last session, uh, a lot of people have already gotten the hell out of Dodge. The one that. Meant the least to me, and that I personally, this is my opinion, I thought was the worst session of everyone that I observed, and I saw maybe t- between twenty and thirty of them. That was Latif Nasser of Radiolab, and boy, um, like so exactly like what I was talking about with the intellecty stuff. There's a reason why I can no longer listen to This American Life or Radiolab or anything like that. Anything where the uh, that they to me are like the epitome of intellectiness. They're not really intellectual, but they want to wrap themselves in the blanket of intellectualism without actually being that intellectual. If that makes any sense, that's this is again. You may have very very different. Uh, <laughs> it may this may rub me the this way and only me. I may be the only person with this opinion in the entire uh, Potosphere. But Latif Nasser, really, he went out and he. It was one of those things where I think he went out feeling like, hey, I'm the dude from Radiolab. Everyone loves me. And boy, his presentation was like half-ass and not compelling. And it was, it was kind of like, I, I have said many times that any, any show, the live episodes, when you're listening to the recording of the live episodes, they are always the least compelling Ice Cream Social, a podcast I love. When they do their live episodes from, from Scoop Fest, the worst listening experience ever. Again, fun to be in that room. And mostly you're playing to the room. The the live WTF episodes consistently. The fucking worst shows. And by the way, Oz Nine, a show I learned about from podcast movement. And they, I've listened to all of them and they, one of them was a live in front of an audience, uh, episode at a convention. The absolute worst episode of Oz nine was that one in front of the convention audience. I don't know if there are other live ones, but that one was awful compared to everything else because it just, when you're playing to a crowd that you're not part of, you're not being played to. And so, you know, the live episodes just are the worst. And I feel like he was. Basically trying to play to a friendly crowd. For one thing, I think the crowd was not as friendly (laughs) as he was expecting. I think people didn't automatically love him as much as he was expecting to be loved. But it was just like a nothing burger. Uh, uh, And I was like, it's maybe 10 minutes in, I thought. And I was sitting really close to the front because I think I had been there since the previous session. And I was like, do I get up and walk out now or do I just suffer through this I think I sat there and made notes on something else and just tried to occupy myself but boy was my head gone and uh, hmm, just uh, just lost me <sighs> um I heard an interesting quote from uh, on the Penn Gillette podcast and I do pen was quoting someone else I just don't remember who it was but um, the phrase was they were talking about uh, it was a review of some thing? Was it a movie? Was it a TV show? It was something. But but um the phrase, and again, this, this is now like third or fourth order, right? Because it's a quote by somebody who I can't remember. But he said, the, the phrase was, uh, there's not a lot of love in this. And that was actually an incredibly good thing to hear because it actually crystallized a thing for me. um I have been reading the Bosch books. And I've read... I just finished this week I finished the book number three. There's I think 20 some main Bosch books and then at some point there are some that like cross over with the other characters because when you got a couple series you know you got a series it up you know series is as series does. But thus far I think um, at this point I don't know if Michael Connolly had branched out into like the Lincoln Lawyer business or any of the other stuff but like through the first three books they're actually pretty compelling. They're fast reads, they're zippy. I- I'm really enjoying them. About this time last year, I was taking the WMG Publishing uh, workshops with the done by Dean Wesley Smith. And I thought, honestly, even though I got them half price for some kind of promotion, uh, by the time I was done, I thought, geez, I overpaid for this because they seemed pretty half-assed. They weren't – they were – probably the value was uh, commensurate, but it wasn't – it was kind of – by the end, I was like, "Oh, geez, what am I?" Eh, okay, I mean, it's good that I know the things I know now, but I just... Mm. and uh, around that time, I read um, one of Dean Wesley Smith's uh, the first novel of his Cold Poker Game series. And the premise of this series is that there's some retired cops, and they have a poker game, and they discuss cold cases. I'm not sure how these cops have access to the cold cases. There's that is just the beginning of a thing. Uh, that these book, bu- this book, when I read it, was structured like a book. It had act one, two, and three. It had characters. It had characterization, somewhat, um, you know. But in the end, it just was nothing. There was multiple places. There was like a page talking about how good KFC. I mean, it's very much having been in his workshop, and I know that he talks about how he starts writing. Um, he writes as clean a prose as he can, and then he just publishes it. You know, he's self-publishing these things. He's not, they're not getting much editing, and that was the point where I thought, oh, yeah. I, I can totally reconcile the book I'm reading with him saying he doesn't ever go back and redo anything, because um, if you did, you might have taken this really boring and really stupid <laughs> couple pages of the book where the one character is rhapsodizing about how KFC is cooked. <sighs> I mean, it reads like, it reads like an old style pulp thing where you just got to get the thing down and you're getting paid by the word and you just got to keep the fingers moving on the typewriter. And, but on the surface, it's, you know, it's like, like a Coke and a Pepsi, right? The Bosch books and that Dean Wesley Smith book, they're the same thing, right? Why do I like one and really, really, really hate the other Um, when they are got so much in, in common? And that phrase from the Penn Sunday School, that's what crystallized. There's not a lot of love in this. The Dean Wesley Smith felt by the numbers, like punching the clock. It just felt like it didn't feel like he loved it. And the Bosch book feels like he loves it. There is a reason why it's a big, uh, successful book, is a, a big successful series, um, because it feels like he loves it. It feels like he really knows this stuff. Like he was a uh, uh, he was a reporter that covered the police. It feels like he knows this stuff really, really well. I don't. I can't verify. If, you know, he's saying the right number for the right forms, and this is actually how cops do things. But to my layperson, uh, I believe every bit of it. And there's a lot of shit in like, Cold Poker Gang book I just didn't believe. And also, like, the guy's daughter uh, is a poker player whose uh, boyfriend is, like, a really successful poker player. So they have access to a private jet. Uh or a private plane. So anytime they need to go somewhere, they just borrow the plane and go. Yeah, you know, like everything was so convenient for this. And it just, it was just, un, it was uncompelling. It wasn't even bad. It was uncompelling. It was in its own way worse than bad because, you know, a big swing that, that didn't hit is one thing. It wasn't even a big swing, it was just barely showed up. And that's the, that's, uh, the thing that I really uh, disliked. Let me talk about two things I do like. Um, one of them, y'all ho- who have been here more than uh, six months heard me uh, kind of get excited about and then lose my excitement for the Moon Knight uh, TV show on uh, Disney+. Plus. My experience, with, and Moon Knight is one of my characters, my experience with Ms. Marvel was completely the opposite. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, but I really enjoyed the show. By the time you get to the end, Um, there was kind of an overlap between Ms. Marvel and Watchmen in that um, it's a very large plot point in the Ms. Marvel show, the partition of India and Pakistan, um, which is at least a thing I know existed. (laughs) Unlike the black wall, the Tulsa massacre, the black wall street massacre, which I didn't even know existed. Um, At least I knew this existed, but, um, by the time this was done, i don't i I knew it happened, but the um the kind of like the human tragedy element of that um I guess I never really thought about in its own way you know it's similar to you know like the problem uh you know it, like the Palestinians being ejected out of Israel and then having nowhere to go effectively you know you have people um taken from everything they've known and moved to somewhere else where and then vice versa. <laughs> It's like just people swapping and people were losing their homes left and right and people just being given homes that they didn't deserve and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just tragic. And um, like working that into Ms. Marvel's origin, I thought was fantastic. And uh, I, I thought it worked really well. And it was really, really interesting. I don't know about the historical veracity. And this is as somebody, I've never been to Pakistan, but I have been to India. And I will tell you, filling out the paperwork for an Indian visa, they want to know a lot of stuff about Pakistan. Are you Pakistani? Have you ever been to Pakistan? How many times have you been to Pakistan? How recently have you been to Pakistan? Do you have any family members who are Pakistani? Do you have any family members who have been to Pakistan? It's was like, holy shit, these guys have a thing for Pakistan. <laughs> My God. <laughs> They're like the pissy uh, older brother that <laughs> it's like. You didn't uh you didn't have any interaction with my little brother, did you? Oh, jeez. Anyway. So, Ms. Marvel um and I didn't have much expectation because Ms. Marvel is not one of my characters. And that show was fantastic. And Moon Knight is one of my characters and that show was just dull. Similarly, um a show I had little to no expectation about. It was um almost like it's the same structure as Watchmen, which is it is a thing based on something else that is not a sequel per se. It's just a continuation of the world, you know, with in real time, like the same time has elapsed. And this is the man who fell to earth TV show. I have seen the movie probably on night flight, probably, um, while I was falling asleep at, you know, one in the morning, uh, in my basement in Kansas in like 1983, <laughs> I, I've s- know I've seen it. I know it was weird. I could not really tell you much about it, other than you know, a coked out Bowie was doing weird stuff. Um, so the TV show, uh, starring Elijah four, who is a fantastic uh, actor, um, he is great in it. Everything about this show is great in it. Clark Peters, who was uh, Lester Freeman from The Wire, is in it, and he is great. Um. And uh, and it's one of these things where it it references. Sadly, if Bowie had lived, I'm sure he would have you know been in this. Um, uh, Bill Nye plays uh, the part that would have been Bowie. Um, it's the same character that Bowie played in the movie. You know, again, now he's you know in his he's an old man, but you know he was a young man at the time. And uh, boy, I liked pretty much everything about this show. Um, the guy who, I'm trying to think his name. His name is like Jimmy something, Jimmy Smith, uh, so. Jimmy something, Jimmy Slobodnik, whatever his name is. He's an actor, and you would know this guy if you watched Letterman in the 2000s. He was like uh, Lyle the intern, <laughs> the creepy guy who would come on. He's creepy in everything he ever is, and he is creepy in this show as a CIA operative. Um, boy. He has really something. I highly recommend this show. I have on my Plex the original movie and I mean to go back and watch it. I haven't done it yet. Um just to just to refresh my I watched like the first 5 minutes of it. Um and I need to watch the rest of it. Um but boy, I really really got into this TV show. I thought it was really uh fantastically done. Really compelling. I liked everything about it. It it, it is timely and relevant, much like Watchmen. You know, the Watchmen comic book was about the nuclear fears at the time, and the Watchmen TV show in you know 2019 was about race relations, and uh, you know the, the this show is you know about um, how much time uh, the the aliens planet has. And comparing it to how much time this planet has <laughs> before climate they're coming from a planet with a climate disaster to this one and hoping to uh, not make the same mistakes and everything about it was uh was super compelling and also there was some love in this all right um let me move on to possibly the last topic let's see uh let's see anything uh what we're talking about this so uh, you know, I'm giving a couple. I don't even know that they're recommendations. I'm I'm telling you my experience. Man Who Felt to Earth hit for me. Ms. Marvel hit for me. The Bosch series hit for me. Um, I will tell you that from the various stuff that I'm in, uh, I'm subscribed to BookBub. I don't know why. I probably haven't bought anything from them for three or four or five years uh, via BookBub. I get daily or near daily uh, emails from Kindle. Um, about ebook specials and ebooks they think I will like. Um, Netflix tells me about things it thinks I would like, and also Disney Plus and also Amazon Prime. So basically, everyone with a finger in any content uh, wants to send me an email about their content. Um, and you know what? <laughs> you know the number of times I have made my viewing, reading decisions based on one of those emails. If it's not zero, it really rounds to zero. I uh have hit the point where I'm just unsubscribing from every one of those goddamn things because if there's one thing I don't need in this life it is Amazon Prime <laughs> or Netflix telling me uh what they what I should watch. Dudes, trust me, I got the cue. It's overflowing. Uh I don't need um I don't need the Kindle uh algorithm <laughs> suggesting shit to me. I don't need anybody suggesting uh new stuff to me. Uh, Unless it's an individual I don't need any companies Let me put it this way I don't need any corporate entities uh, And any corporate algorithms Suggesting me anything If you, you my friend Want to suggest me something That I'll listen to I will listen to people Uh, I have watched Like Slow Horses Was a recommendation from Eric Peterson On the uh, Evil Genius Discord Right? And I watched it And I loved it And now I'm uh, trying to I'm uh, waiting for the book From my library so, uh I will absolutely take individuals recommendations, but f- I don't care about any company <laughs> who wants to uh get me involved in any of that stuff. And taken as a uh, you know, taken as a larger thing, I'm really um e- like emails that want me, emails from a corporate entity, many of which are retail type entities that want me to uh act. Um every so often you know, I've have mentioned that I uh have two email addresses i use the letter d at my name and the uh dave at my name and dave is generally intended to go to people and the letter d is intended to go to robots so if a store wants me to like if i sign up for a store card i use the letter d some of them tell me the 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 single letter is not a valid email address in which case fuck those guys (laughs) That happens. Um, it is totally a valid email address. Uh, you get some shitty validation. <laughs> you get a terrible regex or whatever it is you have going on in there. It ain't right. But when I go and I clear out the one that is mostly the mailing list ones, um, sometimes, like when there's thousands of ones in there, and I just want to make a lot of them go away, one of the things I will do is I'll just search on every email that says final day or last day, and every. Email that has that in there. I just delete all of them. I just control A, delete because, you know, I don't need, like, if it's timely and it's old, it's of zero value. And I just, <laughs> it's, I guess this is uh, an indication of like my age and my, um, like, where I'm at in life. I want to just basically unsubscribe from everything. There are a couple of corporate entities I don't want to unsubscribe from, like Creality, that I bought my uh, Ender Pro three D printer from in the very early day. I think I maybe ordered it either before the lockdown, and got it after the lockdown, or I ordered it like in the first week of the lockdown. It was very, like, me owning this thing is very contemporaneous with uh, with the pan- start of the pandemic, and you know there was some time to fart around with stuff. I have gotten a, an email, like an email every other day. For the last two and a half years from Creality. <laughs> I think I'm about to unsubscribe from that. I'm not buying another 3D printer from them. I don't need them to email me every other day. There are two corporate entities I'm willing to continue to get emails from. They are Harbor Freight and Tractor Supply. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I guess, telling you something about, you know, being an older uh, guy who's sort of uh, in the act of trying to become a country gentleman out here, I'm willing to hear about tool specials. (laughs) I'm at some point I'm going to have to change the blade on my electric Ryobi mower. Um, and I realized, Oh, I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna have to roll it up on one of those, like basically those ramps, like the same ramp you drive up to change your oil. And I might even need a creeper because I probably don't want to shimmy on the, like, I have to get under this thing and it's, You know, I can't get under it unless it's elevated, and I probably want a creeper so that I can get on it and roll under it instead of you know crawling under it. So, uh, sound that sounds like Harbor Freight to me. (laughs) And also, I was at Tractor Supply this morning buying um, Amdro and dog food. So, uh, it's you know, it's kind of kind of what one does. So, that's my life. (laughs) It's a Tractor Supply and Harbor Freight kind of life out here, possibly. Uh, you know, I I to v- get back around to this, actually let me I won't even get back around to that. I'm gonna touch on one more topic because it occurred to me. Um, you know, I do uh, I have been doing the headspace because I once again have a company that will pay for the headspace. Like I say, headspace value is exactly in an envelope, which is g- good enough to do and not enough to pay for. That's exactly where it is for me. So if someone else is willing to pay for it, I'm willing to do it. It occurred to me around the time I was doing Headspace one day um, that, you know, I've talked so much over the last five years about organization and you're trying to get the crap. And I it's, it is literally an everyday struggle. And I'm slowly, slowly getting, uh, getting it uh, under control in this office. Like I figured out. Um, like I'm moving things around. So the things that are easier to access are the most common. And I have these shelves that are kind of narrow. I'm like, let me put the smaller things over here and I can actually use the space better. And I'm throwing things away and I'm getting rid of books. I'm doing all that stuff. But it occurred to me that the, as, as much as I want, um, the physical space to be better, partly because it's, will make me calmer. Like being in a more, less chaotic, less cluttered space will lead to better I think a better head, head, I don't want to use a phrase, well, a head state, let's say, it will lead to me feeling better and calmer and just being, you know, not having this like low level buzz of anxiety that being in a mess causes for you and having shit everywhere you look causes this, this. but also it occurred to me that there's a, like, th- there's a knock on effect of that, which is the fact that I'm always thinking about organization and I'm all, that I'm always thinking about how I need to do better. And I'm basically always failing. Like every day I have failed to be completely organized. You know, it's better today than it was yesterday. And it's basically better every day than it was the previous day, but it's never done. And I realize that that buzz, like that low level bee buzz, you know, it's like when there's a one mosquito in your bedroom and you just hear it, and is it that's enough to keep you from going to sleep, even if it never bites you, just hearing it is enough to keep you from going to sleep. It's just circling your ear and uh, that's what that um not the not the disorganization and not the stuff, the worry about the stuff, thinking about the stuff, and the realizing that I've failed about the stuff. That is in itself um a problem. And uh that's actually one of the biggest reasons to Um, possibly, possibly make a, um, basically a a, uh, death march towards, like, just taking, say, a weekend and doing nothing but getting stuff out of uh, my line of sight. There's so much Gantt chart to dealing with this. Like, there's stuff I want to get to my cousins. I have this old footlocker from my grandfather that one cousin wants to take. I was willing to throw it in the dump. My cousin wants it. So I want to get it to, to him. But also, if I'm shipping him a giant box, which will probably be not cheap to ship, might as well fill it with shit. So I got to identify all the stuff I'm going to send to him, which so which means there's all now there's other steps. Which means I can't get this thing gone until I do other things. And every time you get yourself in that situation, you're setting yourself up to fail because I can't fix this one thing until I fix something else, which means I can't fix something else. Anytime you got to have this whole row of dominoes nothing but the first domino really works for you. So I've got to break that. I got to break that cycle. You can do it. I guess one way to do it is to just do everything (laughs) and then it's all done. And the other is to like be really smart and see if I can figure out what is the first domino and what is the thing that if I do, it will unblock everything else. How can I clear the log jam? If I do a a one day's worth of work on a weekend, uh, can I get everything else unstuck so that everything else can move a little bit at a time? And if I get that done, maybe the bee buzzing in my head will go away every day. Every day, I am saying to myself, I have failed. Look at the amount of mess I can still see. That means yesterday you failed. And guess what, pal? You're going to fail again today because it ain't going to be gone. (laughs) By the time you go to bed tonight, this shit will still be here. So you failed and you're failing and you will fail. So... Welcome to Failureville, you loser piece of shit. That's what my head is saying to myself. And in general, I'm agreeing with it. <sighs> that's the thing we gotta break. That's the, the, the thing we gotta get out from under. And so um it, it this is just the insight. It's n- you know not about the stuff at this point. It's about the head. It's about the buzzing. And that's the thing uh I could one one could argue, hey, just don't think that and just don't do that. True. <laughs> File that under true, but useless. If I could just not do it, I would just not do it, but I can't. So let's, let's do the other stuff to make the buzzing go away. All right. And Hey, by the way, you and me, Let's all go out together and make the buzzing go away. If you want to reach out for any reason, Dave at evil genius chronicles.org show notes will be up at evil genius chronicles.org in the show notes will be a link to the evil genius chronicles discord patrons welcome and patrons get access to a couple other channels, but every listener is welcome. That was, uh, the patrons uh, decided amongst themselves. We want everybody, um, and if you want to talk about TV shows and books and comics and podcasts and stuff, it's all there. Come and join. All right. Thank you for listening. I appreciate me getting to be the buzz inside your head that keeps you from going to sleep or, conversely, helps you go to sleep. <laughs> I, have no, uh, I have no stake in that particular outcome. Whatever, man. Whatever gets you through the night, it's all right. It's all right. Thank you for listening. I will catch you again next time. And do not forget as you go out into this ugly, cruel world that I love you. Goodbye.